Welcome to our Sunday morning service. The Lord has been gracious, has been kind. He has kept us. Many people could have passed on, and certainly I'm sure people have passed on, but you and me are still alive. That's why we ought to be grateful to God. We ought to be thankful to God. Uh, I was thinking as we go through this, the scripture here, in Isaiah 33 and verse 6, and wisdom <clears throat> and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. <clears throat> the wisdom and the knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. This knowledge that the Lord is giving us, the knowledge that we are now acquiring, uh, let it work out to be, uh, to cause, let it cause a stability in your life. That when things that you have learned, things that you have heard, things that you have received, when they do happen, let it create a stability. You say, we were told. We, this was talked about. And that should cause you to move close to God, uh, should cause you to love the Lord, and should cause you to be grateful to the Lord. Uh, not everybody has this knowledge. Not everybody understands what will be going on in the end time. We are busy, concerned about the cares of this world, how we will survive in this present life. And the events may take us by surprise. We might be shocked and say, Lord, what is happening? God help us that this knowledge will stabilize us. Last Sunday, we ended up with a statement that said there will be a temple. Uh, the question is whether the Jews will wait for the Messiah to build it. Will the Jews wait for the Messiah to build that temple? Uh, most of the Orthodox and Bible-believing Jews are divided into two schools of thought about the temple. Two schools. There are two schools of thought about this temple. One group believes it will descend from heaven intact when the Messiah comes. That that temple will descend from heaven intact when the Messiah comes. That is one school of thought. The other group believes the Torah obligates the Jewish nation to rebuild the temple whenever it has the ability to do so. That is this other group. They believe the Torah 
obligates the Jewish nation, says it is the Jewish nation that is to rebuild the temple whenever it has the ability to do so. Here in Exodus 25, let's look at Exodus 25, two schools of thought right there that we see. Um, Exodus here 25 and verse 8. And let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. I think they quote that scripture. Let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Uh, one fact we know, no temple was ever built without human effort. God blessed the temple built by man in Solomon's day. You remember David wanted to build a temple and uh, he said, you see the house I'm living in? The spirit that David had a wonderful spirit. My God, God worked in that man. He saw where he was living, the comfort, the beauty, uh, to where the queen of Sheba had to come and see uh, where he was. And he saw how comfortable he was. He said, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the Lord, the ark of the covenant, is in curtains. And so he had a mind to build the temple. And the Lord said, no, David, this good it was in your heart. Everything that we do that is outside, not coming from the heart, is not acceptable of God. Whatever we want to do for God must come from the heart. The Lord looketh at the heart. We are to be sincere, we are to be honest, and whatever we do must come from the heart. The Lord commanded him. He said it was good that it was in your heart. But do you know, David, you have fought, I'm just paraphrasing. David, you have fought so many battles. You have shed a lot of blood. And um, I'm not going to allow you to do that, uh, to build the temple. But your son, who will come out of your loins, is going to build me a temple. That's why we are saying, God blessed the temple built by man in Solomon's day. In the second Chronicles, let's turn to second Chronicles chapter seven. Second Chronicles chapter seven and verses uh, one to three. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice 
And the glory of the Lord filled the house, and the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down, and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. He is good, his mercy endureth forever. Um, the prophetic, the, I mean, the prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, encouraged, encouraged the Jews to rebuild the temple in their day. Um, Haggai and Zechariah, those two prophets, they encouraged the Jews to rebuild the temple in their day. And we can look at Ezra here. Ezra chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Then the prophets, Haggai the prophet, and Zechariah the son of Edo, prophesied unto the Jews, that were in Judah and Jerusalem, in the name of, of, of the God of Israel, even unto them. Then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Sheratiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedak, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, and with them, were the prophets of God helping them. The prophets of God were helping them. Also, Haggai, let's go to Haggai, um, one of the minor prophets, uh, it is interesting to know that all this is in the scriptures. Haggai chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, uh, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell? in your sealed houses, and this house lies waste. And now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but you have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with the drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with the holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house 
and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Haggai there said, is it time for you to sit in your sealed houses? Do you know many times even before we say something uh, about this, many times we forget, we become comfortable with the cares of this world. At any particular time, the Lord wants us to do something. God has his program, not only in the world, but for every assembly. But few children of God cooperate with their pastors. The pastor has the vision. The Lord impresses that vision on his heart. He has a program. The Lord many times impresses uh, something to do at that particular time. And he speaks to the church. We want to do this. We want to build the church. Uh, we want to evangelize. Uh, we want to reach out. Uh, we want to help the saints of God in this. But uh, many times the saints just sit, uh, sit back and they just neglect or does, do not give heed to what their pastor is saying. That's not right. God is not going to come down and speak to you. He will speak to you through his servant. There is somebody that he has put in your midst. Somebody that is meant to tell you what we ought to be, what you ought to be doing. Like the children of Issachar. Uh, the rest of the, uh, the children of Israel were at their command. They knew the times and what Israel ought to do. And a man of God knows what the Lord has put on his heart to do at any particular time. And many times he lets us, the saints, uh, we should be doing this. We need to prepare for a meeting. Uh, we need to be building this kind of facilities. Uh, we need to get the, uh, a church, a, a car. Uh, we need to go and evangelize to this other town. And you say, well, I don't think so. I think the pastor has missed it. I don't think it is time to do that. I don't think really God wants us to do that. And you act as though you really know better than the pastor. That's not right. God always uses men that he has put uh, in, in our midst to tell us what to do. Uh, what is required of us is to obey, is to be obedient. Whenever your pastor, whatever he tells you to do, you follow. Don't harden your heart. Uh, you may not understand what the pastor is telling you. You may not really agree what the pastor is telling you, but you obey. Uh, obedience is better than sacrifice. Uh, it's better to obey, and it is the willing and obedient that will eat of the good of the land. So children of God, saints of God, are you a saint in a certain church? Are you a saint in your church? Obey your pastor. Listen to your pastor. Your pastor has a program. Your pastor has, uh, uh, has something that God has put on his heart to do. Obey. Whether he's saying, let's put finances together. 
we want to take care of this bill, obey. Let's come out. We want to build the house of God, obey, and the Lord will bless you. If you cannot obey the pastor whom you see, how do you say you obey God whom you can't see? Uh, you can't see? So, it is important as children of God to cooperate with the leaders that God gives us. Uh, we don't choose our leaders. Like you didn't choose your dad. You didn't choose. You just will find, you just found yourself a certain gentleman and you were told uh, that that's your dad. You found a certain lady taking care of you and you were told that's your mom. You didn't pick. You didn't say, I want this kind of mother. I want this kind of father. And fathers are different. They act differently. They, uh, they react differently. And so they are not going to be the same. So it's not you to instruct uh, the pastor what to do. You can suggest to the pastor. We can make constructive suggestions. But we are to listen to them. That's why it is important as a child of God, pray for your leaders, pray for your pastor, because when they miss it, it you'll miss it too. So it's important that you pray for them. And above all, that you obey them. Whatever they tell you, make sure you cooperate, make sure you obey. And so, uh, the scripture that we have read here in Haggai, we saw Haggai saying, is it time for you, uh, for you to sit in your sealed houses? He said, no. Go out in the forest. Let's build the house of God. Now, at this particular time, let's digress briefly and uh, let's survey the history of the temples. The, the temples that were built. Let's take a little time here and take a survey of the history of the temples. Do we want to start here in First Kings? Let's turn to First Kings, um, chapter eight. Let's look at First Kings here. Chapter 8, <clears throat> it is interesting to see these scriptures. First Kings chapter 8 and verse, uh, the verse I want is verse 17. And it was in the heart of David my father to build an house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. David is saying, uh, I mean Solomon is saying, it was in the heart of David, my father. My father, it was in his heart. He wasn't just wanting to show off or to compete, but it was coming from his heart. He wanted to build the house of the Lord. It is Solomon uh, speaking here. And uh, you know the story. I've mentioned it briefly. Uh, the Lord told him, David, you have shed too much blood. And so, 
David had shed too much blood to build this great symbol of peace. He had shed too much blood to build the great symbol of peace. And so the Lord planned, ordained that his son would, would be the one to build it. And when we turn to Second Samuel chapter 7, let's go backwards. Second Samuel chapter uh, 7. David shed too much blood. Second uh, Samuel chapter 7 verses uh, 12 and uh, 13. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. The Lord, as it were, talking to David, says it is your son that is going to build the temple for me. And so, when you read the first Kings chapters 7 and 8, we are not going to go through that, but you can read at home, chapters 7 and 8, Solomon's grand building is described in those chapters, chapters 7 and 8 of First Kings. Now, this temple was built on Mount Moriah. Note this very carefully. That temple that Solomon built was built on Mount Moriah. And um, let's look at Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter three. Second Chronicles chapter three and verse one. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David, his father, in the place that David had prepared, in the threshing floor of Onan, the Jebusite. So, Solomon built the temple <clears throat> on Mount Moriah. This was the spot where Abraham had offered his son Isaac uh, a millennium area. It was the very spot on this Mount Moriah. That was the spot where Abraham had offered his son Isaac or was going to offer his son Isaac. 
the very spot that Abraham was going to offer his son Isaac. That's the spot that uh, Solomon built the temple. Genesis 22. We are going slowly so that we can understand the facts. It's no good rushing and we are not <clears throat> perceiving. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is very important that we understand this clearly. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse 2, And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. There is the word again, Moriah. Not take note of that. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. So, it was on Mount Moriah. That's the spot that Abraham was going to, or was told, to offer his son. And of course, you know the story. <clears throat> the Lord did not allow that. And so, <clears throat> there was a sheep that later was offered. So, when the temple was dedicated, the glory of God filled the building. I think we read that in First <clears throat> Kings chapter 8, but we can again look at it. But we can again look at it. First Kings chapter 8. Uh, we want to read verses 10 and 11. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. My God, God came down. God, the glory of God, filled the building. When the temple was uh, dedicated, that's why each time we come together, we needed to have the Spirit of God. We should never come to the house of God and we are dry. Every one of us should be ready. There should be family altars. You pray at home. You reach out and touch the Lord. You let your family members pray and reach out to God. So that by the time every one of them comes to the house of God, I tell you they have the, the touch of the Spirit of God. And when we come together as a, an entire church, I tell you let the power of God come down. God comes down. Uh, the band members living right, not in and out of the church. Not one leg in the world and one leg in the church. That really takes away the glory of the Lord. We don't bless the people. When we, when he, as we as band members, or you as band members, really don't live right, or you don't even know how to pray, you can't pray, you can't reach out, uh, you will not bless the people uh, when you stand there and 
uh, play your instrument, you will not be a blessing. But when you are in the spirit, uh, when the spirit of God has touched you, and you are living right, I tell you, when you stand there to minister, you will be a blessing. We ought always to have the spirit of God. And it was it Moses, he said, how will I know that you are with me? Uh, this is a great work. And how can we know that the Lord is with us in this wicked world? How can we? The presence of the Lord. He says, my presence shall be with thee. And we as the people of God, we ought to treasure the presence of the Lord. Whenever we don't feel God, we should go back home really sad. We should really ask ourselves. We should even sit in the church and say, Lord, why didn't we feel thee? Why didn't we feel the Spirit of God? <clears throat> Why didn't you come down, Lord? Is there a sin in the camp? In the Old Testament times, whenever Israel didn't get the victory, as they fought battles, uh, whenever there was a slaughter in the camp, they went back. Lord, who has sinned? What's wrong? They were concerned. They needed God to be with them. We should be concerned. We should desire the presence of the Lord. We should desire the covering of God, the anointing of God, the power of God. God to identify himself with us. Not just having a formality that we have a service, but is God with us. Has God identified himself with us? Can we feel the presence of the Lord? Has he come down and touched somebody? He healed somebody? Has he come down and baptized somebody with the Holy Ghost? As he come down and enlightened, opened the understanding of somebody to where somebody says, I thank God I've come to church. I was in a certain frame of mind, but as the Spirit of God fell down and as the, the Word of God went forth, I tell you I was ministered to, I'm going back different. That is how our services should be. We should feel the presence of God. We should be, uh, we should be able to say, the Lord was with us. So, here, when the temple was dedicated, the glory of God filled the building. The glory of God filled the building. And um, since the day Solomon dedicated the temple of the Lord, Jews have prayed facing toward the city of Jerusalem. You remember, you can go back and read, Solomon prayed a prayer when he was dedicating the temple. And uh, when you read the first Kings, and probably let's read just a bit, first Kings chapter 8, the verses 27. <clears throat> And up to 30. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house that I have builded? Yet, um, yet uh, have thou respect unto the prayer of thy servant, unto his supplication. O oh Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry, unto the prayer which thy servant prayeth 
before thee today, that thine eyes may be open toward the house night and day, even toward the place of which thou hast said, My name shall be there, that thou mayest hearken unto the prayer which thy servant shall make toward this place. Do you notice that? Which thy servant shall make towards where? Toward this place. And hearken thou to the supplication of thy servant and of thy people Israel when they shall pray toward this place. What was that place? The temple. And hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place and uh, and when thou hearest, forgive. So, since the day Solomon dedicated the temple, the temple of the Lord, Jews have prayed facing toward the city of Jerusalem. They pray facing the city of Jerusalem. Every synagogue in the world faces toward Jerusalem. Now, Rome, we would like to state here, Rome is not the holy city. Jerusalem is the holy city. It's not Rome that is the holy city. The scriptures bear this out, that it is Jerusalem that is the holy city. Here in Nehemiah, let's look at Nehemiah chapter 11. Nehemiah. Let's look at Nehemiah um, chapter 11 and verse 1. And the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the what? The holy city. And the nine parts to dwell in other cities. Right there in the book of Nehemiah, we are given, we are told, Jerusalem is the holy city. In Isaiah 52, these are things that should be in our mind. Isaiah 52 and verse 1. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful uh, garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Another scripture that lets us know that Jerusalem is the holy city. Daniel. Let's go to Daniel. Go right ahead from where we were. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 
16. O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from the city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people have become a reproach to all that are about us. There again, Jerusalem, the holy city, Zechariah, Zechariah, chapter 8, and verse uh, 3, Zechariah, chapter 8, and verse 3, it says, Thus saith the Lord, uh, I am returned unto Zion, and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain, holy city. Then in Matthew chapter 4, um, Verse 5, Matthew 4, and verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. So, it's not Rome, that is the holy city, it is Jerusalem, that is the holy city. So, so, but uh, Solomon's temple was not eternal. It did not stay forever. It was destroyed. If you know the story or the history, it was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586. Uh, the Babylonians destroyed that temple in 586 B.C. Uh, here in Second uh, uh, Chronicles chapter 36, Second Chronicles chapter. 36 verses 17 let's look at 2nd Chronicles chapter 36 Verses 17 through verses 17 through 19. Therefore he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees, who slew their young men with the sword 
in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion upon young men or maidens, old men, or him that stopped for age. He gave them all into his hand. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king, and of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon. Verse 19, And they burnt the house of God, and break down the wall of Jerusalem, and burnt the palaces thereof with the fire, and destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. Right there, the Babylonians really destroyed the temple. They did havoc. They, they did a lot of things. They destroyed a lot of the house of the Lord. And um, also, this is also described in Second uh, Kings chapter 25. 2 Kings chapter 25. The Babylonians destroyed, did havoc to that temple that Solomon built. Second Kings chapter 25 and verses 8 and 9. And in the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which is the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came <clears throat> Nehazeradan, captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem. And he burnt the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem. And every great man's house burnt he with the fire. My God, this was quite a destruction. All the houses be burnt with the fire. So, the center column reference uh, date uh, in the Oxford Bible, Second Kings, uh, 25, uh, it gives uh, approximately uh, to be the time around 587 B.C. 587 B.C. The temple remained destroyed for exactly 70 
years. Seventy years the temple remained destroyed. Then it was rebuilt by Zerubbabel. I told you we are taking a little time here to look at the, to survey the history of the temple. Solomon's temple, great as it was, magnificent as it was, it was not eternal, it was destroyed. Then the temple, uh, it was rebuilt by Zerubbabel, in 516 B.C. Look at Ezra. Let's go back to let's go back to Ezra chapter 3. Ezra chapter 3 and verses uh, we may not read everything. Ezra chapter 3 and verses, the verses we would like to look at, verses 7 through 13. Uh, they gave money also unto the masons, unto the carpenters, and meat, and drink, and oil unto them of Zidon, unto them of Tyre, to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea of Joppa, according to the grant that they had of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, in the second year, of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem in the second month uh, began Zerubbabel, the son of Sherakiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedak, and the remnant of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all they that were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem and appointed the Levites from twenty years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. Then Jeshua, with his sons and his brethren, Cadmiel and his sons and the sons of Judah, together to set forward the workmen in the house of God, the sons of Henadad, with their sons and their brethren, the Levites. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites and the sons of Asaph uh, with the symbols to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel, and they sang together by course in praising and giving unto the Lord because he is good for his mercy <clears throat> endureth forever toward Israel. 
And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid, so on and so forth. And so <clears throat> here we see that uh, the temple is being rebuilt. It is also seen in Ezra, but because of time, probably we will look at it in the next service. But one thing that we should know, that uh, we should understand the events as they transpired. Uh, this building of the temple, how is it going to be? Uh, we are looking at the history of the temples, how the temples were built. And the Lord help us and touch our mind to understand what we are talking about. We pray that God will uh, bless us and this will draw us closer to the Lord. Thank you for listening. The Lord bless you. Amen. <laughs>